This morning I want to talk to you about prayer. I want to talk to you about why we must pray as we begin our week of prayer here in, in our church and throughout the Assemblies of God. I want to talk to you about prayer. Last year, last summer, on a very hot day, I ran a five-mile race in the heat of the day. The, the race is called uh, Run in the Sun. It's very uh, appropriately named. And it's usually run, it's always been run in the morning, but uh, what happened is that some of the organizers sort of dropped the ball and, and didn't get it scheduled on time. By the time they tried to schedule that race along the river and some other organization had already scheduled it with the city. And so they scheduled it, instead of in the morning, they scheduled it at 5 o'clock in the late afternoon, which, as you know, is the heat of the day. When the race started, it was 104. When we finished this five-mile race, it was 105. And so I considered not I had already registered, and then I thought, maybe I shouldn't go because uh, that's really hot, and I'm not as young as I used to be. But I decided to, to go through with it, and, uh, but I had a plan. I had a plan for dealing with the challenge and the adversity of the heat. I thought it was a good plan, but it backfired on me. My plan was, was, sim- was simple. You know, I, had, I was trained, and I thought, okay, my plan is I'm not going to try to PR. I'll just, just finish the race, right? Just finish the race, and I'll walk when I have to uh, because of the heat. And, and, but my, my plan also included uh, right before the race, or about half an hour before the race, I was going to take two Advil, you know, to kind of, kind of as a preemptive move, right? I'm going to take two Advil, make sure that I don't get overheated, and, you know, that's, that's bound to help. And so I did. I took my two Advil and went out there and, and we ran. And the organizers were very concerned. They were like, you know, make sure that he, they told us the same, same thing. This is not about PRing. This is not about getting, you know, your personal record. This is just about, about finishing and said, and make sure you walk. And they were giving us all uh, bottled water. It was, it was ice cold. And take this with you when you run. And, of course, some were saying, no, I don't want to run with a bottle. I said, well, okay, but... We told you, we warned you. We want to make sure they covered all, you know, their liabilities. We we gave you a chance, right? And and uh, so I took I took a, a a bottle with me and I drank some of it along the way, and then most of it went on my head as I was running. It was just very very hot, and it was a miserable run. <laughs> it was just a miserable run. Uh, but but I finished the race. But it was so hard. It was like I knew it was. I was thinking I knew it was going to be hot, but I was like I was miserable the whole time. I was just sluggish. I just I just couldn't get going, and I'm just, I walked, you know, I, I had planned I was going to walk, and I did, but I walked more than I even planned, because I just I was so lethargic, and I thought, what is wrong with me? This heat is terrible. Well, finished the race, we went home, and as I went into the kitchen, and I, I looked at the bottle of Advil that I had taken, was still there, and I realized I took Advil PM. <laughs> so my plan backfired, and I was just sluggish, I was like, oh... I thought it was going to help me, and it hurt me. Uh, but, you know, oh well, live and learn. That was my plan, and it didn't work that time because it, it, it wasn't the right plan. But as I thought about that, because so, so many times we, we think about running or other sports. In fact, Paul did this, too, when he talked about wrestling and fighting, uh, kind of as a metaphor for life, right? Like, sometimes I think, yeah, running is kind of like life or sports. Any other sport is kind of like 
like life. It's their, their difficulties, their struggles, their challenges. And as I thought about that, and I thought about how I had a plan, but it didn't work. I thought, what is my plan for the challenges and the adversities that I'm going to face this year? And I'd like to ask you the same thing. What is your plan for the challenges, for dealing with the challenges and adversity that 200 or 2019 rather will bring? Because we know that this year is going to bring some good times and some difficult times. We know that like many of you faced adversity last year, others will face it this year. We'll all face it in one way or another. So what's your plan for dealing with with the challenges and adversities that 2019 will bring? And I want to tell you right now that there are many things you can do, but the the best thing you can do, the best plan is to pray, pray, pray. The best plan is to pray in all circumstances, good or bad. Pray for wisdom, pray for strength, pray for discernment, pray for God to, to help you have faith, pray for miracles. I mean, just pray. But what is prayer then? What is prayer? Is prayer just something that we did as children before we went to bed and we had to say our bedtime prayers? Is it something we only do at, at church? We pray at church or somebody leads a prayer and we just kind of listen and agree? Well, prayer is those things, but it's much more. And, and prayer is interesting because prayer is, is, is easy and yet it's difficult. It's easy to understand, but it's difficult to practice. It's easy to explain, but it's difficult to truly comprehend the, the depths of prayer. Now, simply put, prayer is communicating with God and allowing Him to communicate with us. Now, a lot of times we think it's just talking to God, and it is that, but it's also allowing God to speak to us. Prayer is communicating with God and allowing Him to communicate with us. And I'll talk some more about that in my teaching on Tuesday. But uh, today I, I want to talk to you about an aspect of prayer that shows us just how much we need to practice prayer in our lives. An aspect of prayer that shows us how much we need to be praying regularly in our lives. And, and that's this. This is a big idea of what I want to cover the rest of my time here. And that is, prayer is trusting God through our challenges and adversities. Prayer is trusting God through our challenges and adversities. Now, can, can we live without prayer? Can we live life without praying? Sure we can. Of course we can. Lots of people do it. But here's what the Bible says in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And verse 2 says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. Then it says, For he grants sleep to those he loves. Now, what what does all this mean? Well, we can work hard. He's saying... You can get up early and work late into the night. You can be the best worker around, working for food, toiling, putting in the hours. But unless you're trusting God, unless you're praying, unless God is in it, then you're doing it all in vain. 
Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders are laboring in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city. In other words, unless God is building your life and building your family and building your future, then what you're doing is going to be in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, unless God is watching over your family, watching over your kids, unless God's doing it because you're asking Him, because you're praying, then whatever you're doing for your kids, for your family, is in vain. We can get educated, we can work hard, we can go through all the motions of life, we can even go through all the motions of worship, but if God isn't in it, life is going to be hollow, it's going to be unfulfilling, and worst of all, there will be no divine power attached to our lives. Let me tell you, there are a few, there are a few things more fearful to me than living life alone. There are things, few things more uh, or, um, fearful, yes, to me than the idea of being disconnected from God, disconnected from power. Because here's a very important point that I want you to, to, to remember. That is, we've got to stay connected to God so that we're not doing things in vain. And the way to stay connected to God is to pray. We must pray to stay connected to God. So that we're not living and doing things in vain. So we're not working in vain and trying to build a relationship in vain and trying to, to raise our children in vain. So we're not trying to even worship God in vain. We must pray to stay connected to God. And that raises then the question, you know, how, how do we do that? And how, how do we connect ourselves through, through, uh, to God, to this divine source of power? Through earnest, heartfelt Prayer, not a recitation of prayer of prayers, but through daily, heartfelt, earnest prayer. Now, here's what Jesus said in, in John fifteen five. He said, "I am the vine; you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing." He is. The vine, we are the branches. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, how clear is that? Right? Apart from me, we can do what? Something? Nothing. There's nothing that we can do apart from Jesus. But how easily we become deceived that, oh, God is, is with me. God is going to bless me. He's going to grant me the desires of my heart, even though we're not praying. We sever ourselves from the only true source of power and blessing. But we move along as if everything's okay. And we say, well, everything's fine. I got my job, I got my cars, I got my house, I got my kids. You know, people like me, I got friends. There's no power. There's no discernment. All there is is human wisdom and effort. Let me tell you, that's no way to live. Human wisdom and effort is no way to live. This is a time of year in which people are making New Year's resolutions. And I'm not against that. I, I, I am in favor of people, maybe not so much in the form of a resolution, but 
examining their life, their past, and saying, okay, this year I want to do something. I want, I want to learn a new skill, or I want to improve in this area. My wife and I both decided we're kind of independently of each other, independently of each other, but we were talking about this yesterday, to learn a new skill. She's learning a new skill. I won't tell you what it is. She's working on it. I'm trying to learn something new, also a new skill. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. I'll come out and wow you later. <laughs> Help me, God. Okay, but um, but we just think you know this is a good time to get started on on new new skills and new abilities. But when people make resolutions, how many of you know that many times it, most people don't follow through on them? You know, past maybe a, a week or two or a month at the most, and and some do. I mean, I'm I'm like I said, I'm not down on resolutions. I think they're fine. Uh, I think I think that's a good start. But I'm just my point in saying this is that we can't even we can't even meet our own standards because we don't have strength of ourselves. Can you imagine living with only your wisdom and only your effort and hoping that's enough for your life? I mean, I, I you know, I like to read, and I'm fairly intelligent, but sometimes I read stuff, and I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I'm thinking, God, I'm sure I'm glad that my laughter doesn't just depend on my wisdom and my strength and my efforts. But we live that way in many cases. We live that way. There's a, a, a book that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And we know this is a book of Colossians. And in this, in this letter, it's actually a letter. He didn't write it as, as a book. It was actually a letter. And in this letter, he's, he's writing to the church, to the uh, church in Colossae. And he, he's talking, to, uh, Paul is writing about a, a person who was very self-righteous. He, he was judgmental. He lived a life of false humi- humility. But he says something about this person that with all those bad attributes, there's one thing that to me, when I saw it, I thought, okay, of all the, the bad characteristics, that's the worst one right there. L- let me read this to you. This is Colossians 2, 18. If you want to look it up or follow along. Colossians 2, 18. Uh, this is Paul writing. He says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. In other words, he's saying, don't let this person condemn you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. And then here's a phrase. They have lost connection with the head. They have lost connection with the head from whom the the whole body grows as God causes it to grow. Now isn't that a terrible way to live with no connection to the head? Jesus is the head. He's ahead. In John, he says, I am the true vine, you are the branches. In the epistles, he says, I am the head, you are the body. Right? So, he's ahead. Notice that this person presents a, that Paul has described, presents a, a very spiritual facade. But he's disconnected from the head. He has this false humility. He talks about, he goes into great detail about all kinds of spiritual things. But Paul says he is disconnected from the head. That's the worst part. It's not that he's a hypocrite, but that he's trying to live life alone. He's disconnected from the head. What a terrible way to live. And so what I want to 
challenge you with this morning is to stay connected to the head. Stay connected to the vine. Stay connected to the only true source of power in this world. Divine power. The power of God. Stay connected to God. And that happens through prayer. And again, not through a simple uh, recitation of prayers from once, once in a while, but through a life of prayer where we pray regularly, where we pray daily even. Now, here's why this is important, because we, we're talking about challenges and adversity in, in this year that we will face. We know that's true because, you know, life happens to us. And life is hard. So, this is very important. To, to know, to understand about challenges and adversities. And that's this. When we pray, when we pray, we learn to trust God and not ourselves. We learn to trust God and not ourselves. In other words, being connected to God isn't just something that we do in prayer. It's something that we do in life. Being connected to God is not just a matter of saying some words and praying. But being connected to God is, is praying so that it, we can stay connected to God when we, when we face challenges and adversity. Everybody goes through challenges and adversity. Everybody goes through distress, tragedy, calamity. The Apostle Paul went through adversity. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1... Verses 89, he, he describes an, an unbearable experience that he went through. And, and he says this in 2 Corinthians 1.8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Now listen to this. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Have you ever heard somebody say, God will never give you more than you can handle? It's not true. God will give you more than you can handle. And, and these words that Paul wrote blow that myth out of the water. Because he wrote, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. What does that mean? More than we could handle. So that we despaired of life itself. He thought they were going to die. Indeed, he said, we felt we had received the sentence of death. So they're, you know, they're out in the water. They're, they're, you know, there's a storm. They're about to die. They thought, this is it. It's all over. We can't handle this. But then he says, but this happened. Listen to this. That we might rely. I'm sorry. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So he's saying, we thought we were going to die. We were ready to die. But God was trying to teach us to trust in him and not in ourselves. Because even if we did die, God raises the dead. He has the power to raise the dead. So under great pressure, to the point they thought they were, go they were going to die. And I mean, that's perhaps our greatest fear, Right? The fear of death. I mean, I know we're Christians. We don't fear death. And we're not really afraid to die. Paul didn't either. I mean, we know Paul didn't fear death. He wrote to the Philippians, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, either way, it's a win-win for me. If I live, 
It's Christ in me. If I die, it's gain because it's Christ in heaven. But when it comes down to it, we try to fight off death as long as possible. And we should because of the value of human life. Human life is valuable. And because we're not God, we, we can't choose when we're going to die. And because we weren't made to die, we we're made to live forever. But sin came into this world, brought death into the world. So it's not so much that we fear death, but it does bring a conflict into our thinking. But the point is this. The point is that God often gives us more than we can handle so that we can learn to trust in Him and not in ourselves. But Because think of that saying, people say, God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, if God never gave you more than you could handle, why would you need God if you could handle it? The reality is that we all need God. And when we pray, we learn to trust God and not ourselves. And in this experience that Paul writes about, God was teaching him not to trust in himself, but to trust in God who raises the dead. As they were facing death, God was trying to teach him, I raise the dead. In other words, there's nothing that God cannot do. There's nothing that we can't trust God for. There's no experience we can't trust God in. There are a lot of experiences that, that just bring us down, that just... You know, facing the death of a loved one. I mean, that's the hardest thing I've ever been through. You know, just dealing with that. And I remember thinking, wow, this is like the great equalizer. Everybody goes through this and we all feel the same. Like for a few days, it just looks hopeless beyond, you know, this, this time. I just can't see what's going to happen next. You know, we face those times. But even in those times, you can trust God. And, and so what, what Paul was saying is that God's purpose... In allowing us to go through challenges and adversities in our lives. God's purpose is to put an end to self-confidence. God's purpose for Paul in, in that, on that occasion was to put an end to self-confidence in Paul. To make Paul feel that in the things that really count, man is of no help. Only God is. The things of importance, only God can help us. So challenges and adversities are intended by God to remind us that we're completely dependent on God for absolutely everything. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. The real question then for us is, will we respond with this understanding? Will we respond with prayer? Knowing that apart from God we can do nothing. Where we'll respond with prayer. Or will we continue to live life alone? God's main purpose. In the challenges and adversities. That you will face this year. Will be. To make you stop trusting in yourself. And to trust only in God. We, we trust in ourselves more than we realize. We trust in others that are maybe in leadership over us, which we should respect and follow people in leadership over us, people in authority over us. We should obey them. But our trust should not be in them, it should be in God. This is a, a truth that is all over the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New. The psalmist said in Psalm 146.3, Do not put your trust in princes, human beings who cannot save. Do not put your trust in princes and kings and presidents and congressmen. You know, that, 
I'm, I'm not going to talk bad about uh, politicians because I think that they're called to do a work. And I think we should pray for them. But don't put your trust in, in some political party or political movement or politician. That makes no sense, especially if what, they're, if what they're trying to do goes contrary to the principles of God's word. Psalm 33, 16 says, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Isaiah 2.22 Says it like this. Stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Really? We're going to trust in people who are here today are going to die tomorrow? Stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? So, whether it's trusting in ourselves, because I'm a hardworking man, I'm a, hard, I'm a smart woman, hardworking woman, and, or trusting in others who are going to lead the way, and they're going to... Take us to the promised land. No. Trust God. And I think throughout the Bible, we see that God wants to teach us the lesson of 2 Corinthians 1, which he taught to Paul. The lesson of uh, Psalm 127. Lest the Lord builds a house. Don't pin your hopes on yourself or any other person or anything that this world can offer. Look to God for your hope. Look to God for your joy, for your fulfillment, even in death. For He is a God who raises the dead. Now, we can trust Him like that. We can trust God even as we face death. If we can learn to pray to Him and, and to trust Him, then we'll know true joy and fulfillment. Our lives won't be hollow and unfulfilled. My question today is this. Have you learned this lesson of fully trusting in God? If you say you have, but you don't pray, then maybe you really haven't. Because it starts with a life of prayer. I return to the question today. What is your plan for dealing with the challenges and adversity that you will face in your life this year? What is your plan? Maybe your plan is to work harder. That's going to backfire. Like my plan and that five-mile race backfired. Maybe your, your plan is, well, I'll just, uh, I'll just use my credit card, buy more possessions, because that makes us happy. Um, it's going to backfire if you're trusting in yourself instead of trusting in God. The answer is to pray. But that also presupposes something very important, that your life is right with God. Perhaps the first step for you today is to get your life Right with God. Maybe your first step is to repent of your sin. Turn your life over to God. Jesus called it being born again. Being born again. Because when you make that decision. When you invite Jesus into your life. As your savior. As your Lord. Which means your master. Who, who leads the way in your life. When you make that decision. Something supernatural happens. God transforms your life into a new creation. That's got to be the first step. Then you live this life of trust through prayer that we've spoken about today. So, today think about if you've not ever made a decision to follow Jesus, you can do that today. And let God change your life. 
If you're already a follower of Christ, but you're not praying regularly, then you're not really trusting in God. You're trusting in yourself. So determine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a pattern of prayer. I'm going to pray every day if possible. And, you know, but if you sleep in one day and you don't get up and pray, don't beat yourself up over that. Don't be legalistic about that. The idea is just to have a regular time of prayer. And we'll talk about this more during our, our three services, prayer services this week. But this is a time today that you can make that decision. I want to learn to trust God. I don't want to face life alone. I don't want to be disconnected from the head. I don't want to be disconnected from God's power. I don't want to be building my life in vain. I want to become a man of prayer. A woman of prayer. You can do that today. Would you bow your heads for prayer? If you this morning are ready to make a decision to, to follow Jesus. If you've never stepped across that line of faith where you say, God, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Forgive my sins. Forgive me for living as if you didn't exist. Living for myself. Then you can make that decision right there where you, where you sit today. And invite Jesus to come into your life. And God, the Spirit will come and will touch you, will change you, will forgive you. He'll transform you to a new creation. Say that prayer. As I lead this prayer, you might pray something like this. Father, I thank you for the love that you have for me. And I thank you for the many opportunities that you, that you give me to live this life and now an opportunity to surrender my life to you. Father, today, I ask that you forgive my sins. Go ahead and say that to God this morning. Lord, forgive my sins. I've tried to live life on my own, and I just can't do it. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Forgive me. Make me a new person. Make me a new man. Make me a new woman. Teach me to trust in you. Help me to find the joy and the peace, the fulfillment that I've been missing. I turn to you today, Father, and ask that you would change my life as I surrender to you. Make me whole. Make me new. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for that person who today has prayed that prayer in their hearts. Maybe they've spoken it to you. I thank you for that decision that they've made. And I pray that they would be able to continue in this decision that they've made. And I pray for others who maybe already are followers of you. They love you, but God, they're not praying regularly. And they're still facing life alone. You didn't mean for us to live life that way. Today, Father, we renew our commitment to seek you, to stay connected to you. We want to stay connected to the head, connected to the source of power and favor and grace in our lives. Forgive us, God, for living on our own strength. Forgive us, Lord, for believing that things were okay when we weren't praying. Today we commit, with your help, we're going to become men of prayer. Women of prayer. And we'll start today, Father. 
we, we call on you. We ask for your help as we commit to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.